Today on Interman Radio, we're going to tackle the most common objection to our potential in Christ. Can we overcome sin? There are some who would look at Romans chapter 7 and say it can't be done. We tackle that now. Welcome to Interman Radio, where we accomplish more than we thought we could through Christ's power working in us. Hey guys, let's pick up our Bibles, let's drop our excuses, and let's prepare to win today. We've been talking about our potential in Christ and how the scriptures see us as overcoming sin. God says we can. He gives us examples. His spirit in us helps us become like Christ, obtaining his character traits. We even went as far as to to name the steps necessary, the four steps to obtaining Christ's character qualities in our lives Uh to eliminate bad habits. Yep. Overcoming sin. Yep. One problem. Okay. Romans chapter 7. We were doing so well, too. We were, we were doing great. I'm going to read you a passage from Romans chapter 7, and you tell me what you think. Okay, shoot. Okay. We know that the law is spiritual, Romans seven fourteen, But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But that what I hate to do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good... Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivered me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself find in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Mark, uh, this is... Uh, Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Ouch. Romans chapter 7. Paul, writing this, the Apostle Paul, right? Right. It's uh, anguish. Did, you can hear it in his voice. I hate yes. who I am. I hate what I'm doing. I hate what I've become. I hate what I'm not doing. The guy wants out. He's desperate. In those eight verses, did he just destroy any thought of our potential of overcoming sin? What gives? Well, here's the deal. Romans chapter 7 is always kind of the elephant in the room. When we talk about our potential in Christ, being able to overcome sin, and more than that, being able to follow in the steps of Christ, to put on his character and act as he would act, Romans chapter 7 is never far behind. Everybody's heard, hey, the thing I'm doing... I don't want to do. do. No, and even Paul. Even Paul. Even Paul. Furthermore, we all identify with that. Yeah. I mean, I know that feeling to not want to do what I have done and to do what I did not want to do. So it's kind of, you know, it catches us because there's Paul giving us that example, but then I feel that. You know, I know what that's like. I, I know what that's like to be there. And with Paul, you know, I've I've said wretched man that I am. Yeah. But what we want to look at is we want to see in what context does he put it? 
you know, Romans chapter 7 comes conveniently between Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 8. Hmm. And when we, when we investigate this a little more carefully, we're going to find, we're going to learn some things about chapter 7 that we didn't see before, and we're going to compare that with 6 and 8 in such a way that I think we're going to have not only, not only put the issue to rest, but frankly gain some more encouragement for why we are free in Christ, why we can put on his potential, and why we can overcome the things that so easily can hold us back. So in other words, the passage I just read is actually an encouragement to us. It will be. Okay. All it right. Will be. Here we go. Let's, uh, let's start at the beginning of, uh, of the chapter a little bit further in verse 9. He says, uh, Paul says, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And the commandment which was to result in life proved to result in death for me. For sin taking opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. Mm. Paul says, I used to be alive. Now, Paul obviously is not talking about physically Physical. alive because right. he's still writing this passage. But he says, I was alive, and then when sin came, he says, I died. So spiritually, Paul was alive. There was a point in his life where he was alive. He was in fellowship with God, and then sin entered the picture. Mm-hmm. Right? And just like John chapter 8, in uh, verse 34, Jesus said, whoever commits sin, becomes the slave slave of sin. And you can hear the slavery in chapter 7. You know, the guy wants out. But once that happens, you know, 2 Timothy describes it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He says this in verse 24. He says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. That's a condition that we can all identify with. Captive to do Satan's will. Yeah. Yeah, slavery. Yep, slavery. The thing I don't want to do, I do. Yep. And that's exactly what Paul describes both in Romans 7 and there in the Second Timothy chapter 2 passage. What we want to talk about is how we got into that place. How, how, do, we, how do we come to that, to that spot, that relationship? Paul begins Romans 7 by giving us this little illustration of marriage. He says in, in, verse, uh, in verse 1, he says, Don't you know, brethren, I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. And here comes marriage. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he's living. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning her husband. So then, if while her husband is living, she's joined to another man, she'll be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, so that she's not an adulteress, though she is joined to another man. Hmm. What in the world does that have to do with slavery to sin? An ill-conceived marriage is what that is. Paul kind of borrows... From the Old Testament idea of marriage, you know, by the time the New Testament rolls around, women were divorcing their husbands. But under the Old Covenant law, for better or worse, women did not have 
the opportunity to divorce their husbands. So let's say, ladies, that some smooth talker blows into town, Mm -hmm. whisks you off your feet, and before you knew what happened, you said, I do. That's never happened. No, no. (laughs) How do you get out of that? Let's say Mr. Right turns out to be Mr. Very Wrong. You're stuck. And the relationship is abusive, Mm -hmm. either emotional or physical or otherwise. What do you do? See, that woman is caught. She is joined by the law to a cruel husband. The only way out for her is death. Because in those days, Jesus said, you know, it, it's, it's one and done. You know, it's, it, did Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, he said, it hasn't been this way. Then that's not God's plan. So he says, he's talking about the law. He says, look, if you get married, you're in until death do us part, until one of you is, is dead. So this poor woman, what's she going to do? She's she's stuck. She's caught. The result is, Paul says, he's using this to describe our relationship to the law. He says in verse 4, Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, that you might be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we might bear fruit for God. While we were in the flesh, when we committed a sin... We were at that moment, we said, I do, to sin. Mm -hmm. And we were joined to our flesh. We were joined to our sinful nature. John chapter 8, he who sins becomes a slave of sin. You got it. Yep. So just like a husband and wife are joined legally by the law, and they produce children as a result of that union, so also the fleshly nature was joined to when we committed a sin, was joined to us by the law that convicted us as sinners. And the result is we bore fruit for death. In verse 5, he says, While we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body to bear fruit for death. But verse 6 says, Now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit, not the oldness of the letter. Here's the, here's the boiled down version. When we committed a sin, we were joined to, our, to that sinful nature by the law, and we couldn't get out of it. Cruel taskmaster. Yeah, yes. to bear fruit for death. Yes. These things we don't want to do, we do. He's stuck. But he says now, he says, we were made to die to the law. So, so when we were immersed into Christ, we died. And that removed us from the jurisdiction of the law. He said, we're no longer bound to that husband so that we might be joined to another. Oh, I have just the guy for you. To him who was raised from the dead in verse 4. That we might bear fruit to God. So we've been joined. We were joined to the law. We died to the law. We're released from that law. Now we're joined to Christ. But that's, that's the first seven verses of Romans chapter 7 you're talking about. Right. In context. So why does Paul go back? By the time we get to verse 14, why is he talking as if it's present tense in his life, even though he has become a Christian, even though he is not under jurisdiction to that harsh taskmaster of the law anymore? Why does he speak as if he is? Yeah. Well, like we talked about in verse 9, he says, I was once alive apart from the law. That's a backward look, isn't it? Yeah. This is not present tense. I was once alive apart from the law. 
And then he talks about how he got into that condition, and he describes that condition, and then he's going to finish up in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then we shift gears in chapter 8, but Paul didn't write it in chapters. It's the same thought for him. When he says in verse 1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So he begins with a backward look. I was once alive. And then he describes for us what we can all identify with as being caught being slaves to sin. But there are some, there are some clues here in chapter 8, or chapter 7 rather, that don't fit. And I meant you, my dear Watson. And we got to check those out. He says in verse 14, he says, the law is spiritual... But I'm a flesh sold into bondage to sin. Well, it certainly sounds like bondage. But in chapter 6, in verse 18, Paul said, Having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Whoa, wait wait a minute. Wait a minute is right. Which is it? Is it Romans 6 or Romans 7? Well, you can't be a slave of both. And so the whole idea of being free from sin is so we might be slaves of righteousness, but not both. In verse 18 of chapter 7, he says, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute. In, in chapter 8 and verse 9, he says, However, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. I'd say the Spirit of God is good, wouldn't we? Yes. Yeah. So how can he say in chapter 7, verse 18, nothing good dwells in me, if in chapter 8, he says, For the Christian that the Spirit of God dwells in him. To be or not to be, that is the question. Huh. See, something doesn't fit. Okay. In verse 23 of chapter 7, he said, I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. But in chapter 8, verse 2, He said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You can't be a a slave. You can't be enslaved to that law in verse 23. But then five verses later, be set Set free free. from that law. Right. It can't happen at the same time. Verse 24 of chapter 7 said, wretched man that I am who will set me free. But chapter 6, verses 16 said, don't you know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. Having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. This does not match. Say again, please. Houston, we have a problem. And it is interesting to watch guys try and bend over backwards to try and make these things true concurrently. But it's not possible. When you say true concurrently, you mean to take Romans 7 and say this is what Paul is as a Christian. He's a slave to sin. The things he doesn't want to do, he does. But then also to say in Romans chapter 6 and Romans chapter 8, the two chapters right around it in the same letter, well, this is also Paul as a Christian, free from sin, not a slave. The Spirit dwells in him, etc. And so we try to meld these together saying, well... As a Christian, Paul is still a slave to his sins, and he'll never overcome them. But in chapter 6 and chapter 8, Paul, as a Christian, is set free from those sins. And you're saying that people work awfully hard to make those two things coexist. Yeah, and that's religious nonsense. Okay. 
I mean, in some cases, it's it's well-intentioned nonsense, but those both can't be true at the same time. Paul can't be free and a slave at the same time. Not possible. Right. Not possible. If you play both sides, you have the the good potential but lousy practice, and it doesn't take very people very long to figure out that this has become a safety net. And so I'm going to give lip service to the fact that I have the potential in Christ. I'm free from sin, but in actuality, I still am a blundering idiot. Yeah. I still am a slave to it. Oh, it's all me. We're all a slave to sin. But we're all in this together. That's right. <laughs> all in this together. That's, you got it. It's religious nonsense. It doesn't, it doesn't hold water. You can't be both. And Paul doesn't want us to be both. He says... Who will set me free from the body of this death? The idea is, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He gave us his backward look. We checked it out. He cannot be describing somebody who is a Christian in chapter 7. Christians are not sold into bondage to sin. They're not a flesh. Christians have the Holy Spirit in them, so they can't claim that nothing good dwells in them. Christians are not the prisoners of sin. They've been set free from the law of sin and death, and they're no longer joined to the body of death. They were released from that marriage when they died with Christ. That is tremendous hope for us. Guys, we can all look back at what it feels like to be a slave of sin. Yes. I know exactly what that feels like. I know what it means to sit down and look yourself in the eye and say, you suck. Because to to be that person who's trying to live up to that law and is unable to do it. I know exactly what that feels like. And I could say with Paul, wretched man that I was, who will set me free? I'm not there anymore. And as Christians, we can't entertain that thought. As Christians, we are free in Christ. So, guys, when you're looking at chapter 7, sometimes a look in the rearview mirror is a positive thing. It's not a good idea to drive that way, but it can be a positive thing to show you where you came from and help you really appreciate where it is that you are. That's where you are in Christ. So when Paul is mentioning in Romans 7 in present tense, he doesn't say the things that I didn't want to do, I did. He says the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I do want to do, I don't do. He is speaking present tense, but he's actually looking back in the rearview mirror, looking at his life before and describing it in, in present day language. Kind of like if, if I was, um, we're, we're talking about a story where something happened yeah. to us and I, and I tell you, uh, Mark, you'll never guess what happened uh, what? four years ago. Well, I was camping and all of a sudden a thunderstorm came over and so I'm sitting here and we're sitting here at the campfire uh-huh. and I'm and I'm yeah. telling Christina I'm saying hey Christina there's a thunderstorm coming oh, and, no. and so she grabs the she starts grabbing and we start throwing things in the suburban because yeah. the thunderstorm's yeah. coming and all of a sudden we're driving out I'm Whoa. driving away from but see what, what just happened tense. Yeah. I'm I'm talking about it as if it's present tense but I'm relating to you something that happened years ago yeah and that's exactly what Paul is doing in this case exactly he has to be because of the context of which it's presented in yep the context he tells you this is a backward glance before he even begins that he, he relates that and then the pieces inside it is impossible to square those with Christianity if that's a present tense thing but it does help us to feel that anguish when he gives it to us in present tense. And if anything, guys, that should push us 
I don't want to go back there. No way. I, I know what that's like. I'm free in Christ. I want out of that. To, no thank you. Amen. So the next time we're reading Romans 7, and this is a great chapter to read through and, and along with 6 and 8, um, but put those pieces together. This is something good to work through. And now we can help our friends in answering their questions about that when they feel like they might be relating to Paul. Yeah. You know, or, or those times when we're tempted to go back to our old way of thinking, well, you know, I'm just like Paul. No, not really, because Paul was a new creature. He was set free from sin. He was not a slave anymore. And neither are we. That is encouraging. That is encouraging. Absolutely.